Sarah's full shell book vlog coming at you from Sarah's awesome garage slash sound studio slash woodworking shop. <laughs> it feels like Wayne's World. It's, yeah. kind of, it's pretty much like an adult version of it. It is. It really is. <laughs> and that third voice you're hearing is our very special guest for our latest podcast. She is one of our favorite authors. She has written Something Like Normal and the upcoming Where the Stars Still Shine, which is an amazing, amazing book. Uh, so please welcome Trish Dollar. Yay! Yay! Hi! <laughs> so awesome to be joining you guys. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I've, I've huge listened to all you, the podcasts. <laughs> I've listened to all the podcasts all the way through. My family's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> really long they are i know but it's fun (laughs) like i'm shocked that people want to listen to us for such long amounts of time someone facebooked me and said they binge listened to all of the episodes that must have taken like 24 hours and when were we going to have another one (laughs) like and i was flabbergasted like that's a lot of time to be listening to laura and i talk Mm -hmm. so I really am appreciative to that person. Yeah, especially yeah. because, like, our husbands kind of zone out. Like, Josh just the four of us get together, and Sarah and I just kind of talk, and they get really bored and, like, wander off. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate So we really we appreciate all there. of you who actually listen. We really do. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so Trish had had a re- um. We invited Trish to join us on the podcast. We had a lot of ideas about what to talk about, but one of the um, topics that we came back to was the idea of adult readers and young adult fiction and the sort of, the way we as adults sort of read and understand YA and, I mean, Trish, do you want to elaborate? Because I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... Um, it well, was your idea, so. <laughs> <laughs> it was because even though I don't read my own reviews, I do read a lot of them on Goodreads. And I, I, you know, have this weird habit of looking at the ones and twos because I think that sometimes it gives you an insight into what you really want to read if you really want to read something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do that. Um, and I see these people consistently, adults, adult bloggers consistently saying, you know, she acts so immature or I just wanted to grab him by the shoulders and shake him and tell him he was being stupid. And, and then it always makes me think, isn't that the point of young adult fiction is for these teenagers, these teenage characters to work through their bad decisions. And so to have these reviewers saying things like that, I'm like, what do you expect from these characters? (laughs) Right. So that's where I'm coming from in this. Yeah, like, I'm not sure if people think that there's some supposed to be some sort of moral thing or some sort of aspirational behavior that these young adult characters are supposed to be portraying. But I, when I read YA, I try to see it as something that young adults can relate to, which means that they need characters that are like them, which are frustrating and you know exactly exactly not adults yet they're just not well the book that the the book that jumped out for me was the spectacular now which is one of my all-time favorite 
favorite books, and I'm I'm nervous. I'm on the fence about the the film, but that character is so flawed, and he's so unrepentant, and that's the the whole point. It's a cautionary tale, and I think that it doesn't take um, an adult perspective to figure that out. I think teenagers see that. And then to go back and look at the reviews and have them saying, I just wanted to grab him by the shoulders and shake him and tell him to straighten himself out. Some kids just can't do that. You know, he, he was, he came across as completely believable to me completely. So, yeah, I haven't read that book, but it is, I mean, frankly, I know a lot of adults that I just want to shake and be like, freaking grow up and be a responsible person. You know what I mean? So for exactly. people to have this expectation that teenagers should have their act able, together, yeah, <laughs> I'm just like I didn't have my, I, I didn't even, I don't really think I got my act together until I was like 24, frankly. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> I think Sarah was way more responsible than me and had her stuff together way earlier, but I don't, but I don't have my stuff together now, <laughs> so I'm making up. <laughs> Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I've even seen, you know, Sarah Dessen, who's so, you know, beloved by her readers. Um, I have seen a lot of adults refer to her books and I think we talked about how, you know, she could actually write probably a pretty great adult novel Mm -hmm. just because of her tone and, um, Oh, I totally agree. But I've seen a lot, especially her early books, um, people refer to them as like too high school and that sort of thing. And I always think, well... They are in high school. Right. And, you know, and, like, honestly, like, high school kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I sort of get that, like, like, my husband doesn't read YA. And um, I, despite my efforts, because he just feels like he doesn't want to revisit that time. And that's a totally legitimate and understand. Right. I mean, I, I understand that completely. Um but it's interesting that as adults, many of us, and I, you know, I do that, especially I, I don't tend to like, uh, YA paranormal much. Like there's exceptions, but a lot of it just doesn't work for me. And, um, you know, so I'm, sometimes I just feel like, oh, this is just too, it's too sort of teenagery or too, yeah. you know, the, the drama train kind of like overwhelms me, but, um, it's a, it's a sticky thing because, you know, to high school is, it's one yeah. of the, that has become sort of a trigger for me when I'm reading people's commentary on YA because it's one you see a lot and it's, and I don't think that people are being malicious by any means because I don't want oh, to, no. but I, I, I think it's where as adults, we kind of lose context of what being that age was like. So, right. right. And, and, and even though, you know, I think that there are, that teenagers are different now than when we were kids oh, in yeah. some ways, in some <laughs> ways, I, I still think we, we look back through these, you know, rose colored glasses and say, oh, it wasn't like that when we were, but yes, it was, you know, so it, we tend, I think that the, the successful books are the ones who actually remember that and authors who ca- capture that. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like we're, we're, you know, giving, cutting short shrift on those teenagers. We're not, right. we're 
And I'm always reminded there's that, okay, I'm bringing Friday Night Lights into this of as course. usual. But there's that episode where, like, the teenagers are getting in trouble. I think it's from the party, like, the big party where they drag with that girl the, around like a rag doll. And yeah. Coach Taylor is talking to Tammy, and he just, like, what is with you? <sighs> we didn't do this crap when we like, were kids. Why are they so stupid? And Tammy Taylor just gives him this look, and she raises her eyebrow at him. And just walks away, and she's just like, I totally remember doing that kind yeah. of stuff with you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you filter out the, I mean, you conveniently filter out a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe people want to forget that or something like that, or maybe they don't want to be reminded of it, but it. Which, which then that, raises the question, why are you reading YA? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think that's, you know, I think there's uh, sort of going back to the idea of adults and YA, and there's been a lot of press in the last two years about, you know, how, you know, all the crossover, crossover, mm-hmm. crossover. And I, I mean, I, it's, I think probably filtered down to like, main, I sort of like have in my mind, I have like mainstream readers and then like weirdos, like Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which category we fall into. But I think that, you know, the sort of adults reading teen fiction has definitely sort of, like, filtered down into sort of the mainstream readers. And um, and as a result, the – and then with that study that came out, was that, like, a year ago or so? Mm-hmm. The Bowker study um, that talked about the number of buyers of teen fiction. Um, I think there was almost an overly inf- – Related notion of the audience for YA that actually the data doesn't necessarily support that idea, but it's sort of that idea of the the importance of the adult reader has kind of I don't know ballooned right right and, and right. It's something that's hard for me to articulate without sounding like a jerk, um, but I feel like that's misrepresented. I mean, it's been misrepresented by some pretty large media outlets as a more significant number than it actually is. And, um, so it always makes me, it always makes me, because it's, it's 28% of readers of, I'm going to say this wrong, 28% of readers of YA are adults, 55% of, like, people who buy YA are adults, but that counts the person who bought, like, one copy of The Hunger Games once last year. So, right, right. Which is a different, and you work in a bookstore, so you probably see this sort of in action. Yeah, <laughs> well, I would well, imagine. I, well, I kind of do because I mean, I I have talked to adults who buy teen fiction, mm-hmm. but um, by and large, most people, when you know, like they'll ask me for a recommendation, and I will tell them, well, I I may not be the best person to talk to because the I I'm in charge of the young adult section of the store, and so if you would like a recommendation there, I'd be happy to give you. And they kind of give me this look. So I really, I'm not sure that it, I'm not sure that it's trickled down so far and wide yeah. as the perception. I just, I feel like, you know, maybe I'm in a little anomaly, but I don't know. It seems like I, there's an, adults are willing to 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 try certain titles that they've heard about. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, the big But they would never be like, oh, I mainly read YA. Right, or they wouldn't head to browse in that section. Exactly. It's like, oh, I heard about The Fault in Our Stars, so I, and that happens to be located on that 
you know, in that section, though it's usually at most of the bookstores, it's kind of on the like, yeah, front it's, table. It's right in the front. It's right in the very front because <laughs> it's a bestseller, and and, and they the read books. about it in Time Magazine too. Right. So that's there's that kind of there's kind of validate validation. That as a book they should read, I guess. And, exactly. And I've noticed, like, I always I, people probably think I'm like go to Costco all the time, which is not true. You do go to I Costco just all the time. Costco. I know. I go to Costco like twice a month. They have really cheap dairy products. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but at Costco, they just um mix up their book their books on the book tables um and because they don't have shelves they just have tables because it's costco right <laughs> and the book section of costco i mean i don't know if either of you shop at costco the book section at costco is like it's like a war zone it, it really is, is it's crazy <laughs> like people are like shoving and there's like books everywhere and it's like people are picking up books and throwing them back on the t- it's crazy and they mix up their their teen fiction with adult fiction now but it's all, all of the names you would recognize so right. i always think it's like that to me is sort of the epitome of like that is when you start counting the adults who buy um teen fiction they're seeing it on the table at costco or where have you and they they're like oh this must be good because costco has said it's because costco shoppers are like they trust costco to pick out Oh, they do. It's fascinating. It's really, really interesting. <laughs> and they trust Co- that Costco will have made a good choice for them. Yeah. And I think that's that sort of exemplifies, you know, when people go by the Fault in Our Stars or, yeah. um, you know. So that study makes it sound you. like all these adults are reading YA, but all those adults are not necessarily intentionally reading, reading right. YA. So it's kind of a weird little statistical yeah. thing. And then I think the internet also becomes like the Goodreads crowd and, you know, you know, sort of the book community online sort of has its own sort of shifts that aren't necessarily the, the same as like the real world. Exactly. Um, exactly. Interesting as well. Um, because it sort of has screwed up my perception a bit, I'm sure. I see that even with buzz for books, like some books that are like huge, huge, huge online we might not even get them in the store. And it's, for me, it's a really weird disconnect because I'm like, Mm -hmm. why haven't we gotten that book? Because it's such a big deal. I see Um, that all the time. Like I will have heard about a book a lot online and happen to be in like, there's, I live um, near a tiny um, bookstore. That's like a children's and teen bookstore. It's actually pretty cool. Um, And I'll be shocked when they don't have it on their shelves. And like, they haven't even heard of it yet. And they have a really good buyer. So (laughs) it's, that happens a lot. So, yeah, I feel like that happens. Like, I can't find the Reese Malcolm list at Powell's. No. They don't have it there. And, and that's a book that I feel like has gotten a lot of buzz online. Like, I feel like a lot of the people on Goodreads and on Twitter that I'm friends with, book blogger-wise, they've all been... You know, they've all read waving it. it around yeah, and being and... like, everyone should read this book, but I, it hasn't been at Powell's. Because yeah. I've been looking for it and it's not there. Yeah, it's and yet it's always at Barnes and Noble, which yes. is interesting. Which is cool, um, but it's not at the huge independent bookstore here with like multiple branches. It's Amy's book is not ever there. Yeah, and it's it's because but I, they also seem to be much more conservative in their YA buying. Mm-hmm. Like they seem mm-hmm. to really have sort of the classics and the big books and like a pretty deep selection of like 
kind of the paranormal twilight, like, you know, the teen paranormal romance, which I think is probably consistently, you know, sells for them, but not, especially if you look at the contemporary titles, not, they don't carry very much depth unless it's something that's, you know, it's your Sarah Dessen, John Green, like your sort of usual suspects of, Mm -hmm. I mean, even Sarah Oakler's books aren't necessarily well stocked. No. They'll just maybe have a copy or two. And I think she's a pretty well-known author. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, that's, I mean, and that's Pal's books. Like, everyone knows right. about Pal's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. <laughs> so, so, Trish, as an author of YA fiction, can you, mm-hmm. what do you think about when you think about audience? Well, I know. I know, that's I, just a little question. <laughs> I'm so mean. <laughs> I know that, I know who I write for. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I write for teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate whether or not something like normal was for teens or whether it was new adult. Um, and I think that it's firmly teen fiction because I wrote it with teenagers in mind. I wrote them as an, as my audience. And, and I think that that's the, that's the thing. It's when these books are not really written for adults. Do we hope they get enjoyment out of them? Absolutely. Do we want them to read them? Definitely. But the audience, at least for me, and I would suspect for a lot of YA writers, is teenagers. We have messages to impart to them, not to people who've already been through what teens are going through. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I feel like I need to like slam down the gavel or something. Yeah, I'm throwing down the mic and walking away. <laughs> adults forget about uh when they read YA and things like that or I don't really understand why when they open a book and the teenager is 16 and they're in high school that they expect them to be able to behave like an adult or be able to make rational decisions that they don't even know how to make those decisions yet because they've never really had to do it before they're learning how to do it and So it's really weird to me. Um, And then also, but when the teenager has it all together, then the adults are like, no teenager's really like that. You know what I mean? It's like they're never happy. The Dawson's Creek effect is what (laughs) I I I have to admit, I'm sometimes guilty on that end of the spectrum. When I see teenagers who feel too too self-aware or too clever or too articulate, I think to myself, no teenagers really like that. But even if even if their their quantities are you know they're in the minority of teenagers, there's still teens who want to read about those characters, so they're still legitimate. Right. Well, that's the way I felt. Have either of you read Winger? Not yet. Not yet. That's Not yet. a really interesting book. I think it's really pretty brilliant. Like the the writing, and but also just the way that that book it has comics in it. It's very interesting and creative. Um, the narrator of that particular book is very self-aware mm-hmm. and like I that's something that can sometimes be uh it, I can sort of have that like I like that in Dawson's Creek mm-hmm. because it's like Dawson's Creek <laughs> like it's ridiculous you know uh, but I sometimes feel like with with teen fiction in particular like it can sometimes sort of make me feel like I don't know, I, it doesn't, the voice won't work for me. And in that book, the narrator is very self-conscious and it's very, 
and I had a hard time with that book because of that. But at the same time, it, like I can picture, like it was one that I recommended to Luke, who's a teacher, um, a high school teacher that um, we know who we give a lot of books to, and because I know like his like fifteen and sixteen year old boys in particular will read that book and just get it, like they will see sort of the the person that they like to think of themselves mm-hmm. as, like not necessarily who they are. And and I think the way that book is written is really clever because it's, you know, the first person present is like such the norm and it's written in first person past. And so it's even more like he's kind of constructing this story for himself mm-hmm. as he's telling the reader what happened. And so there's some really interesting, that, that style worked for me in that book, even though it's like sort of my preference isn't for that style. Um, Kind of, I thought about that book a lot after I finished it, um, because that I'm the same way with the self awareness and the cleverness and that sort of thing. And with that book, like the main character wanted you to think he was very clever. Yeah, but I mean, in some ways, I feel like in books, because you have just a certain amount of space, just it's kind of necessary. Because if you actually like wrote what teenagers were saying and thinking, it'd be like a thousand page long and it would be unreadable. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to figure out a way to like condense that. And you know what I mean? Does that make sense? That's so <laughs> <point>. <laughs> it's interesting because also like, because uh, Suzanne Colasanti writes in kind of a very like the way teens sort of think and uh-huh. talk way. And I like the first book of hers I read, I'm like, this is so teenagery, but then it's like I think months later it sort of hit me like why her books work for teenagers. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, I get it. Yeah, but like in the very sort of episode of Dawson's Creek, the way they're talking and they're like, oh, you know, you know how like it felt when you came up with like a comeback ten minutes after the person said something mean to you, and like, but the people on Dawson's Creek are the ones who like make the snappy, witty things right away because you can't wait ten minutes. <laughs> On a TV show, and it's kind of the same with the book, where you can't, you know what I mean? So it just kind of has to move along. Exactly. <laughs> it is interesting, though, like, that something like normal that there is, there because I've seen that a lot, that discussion as to whether or not that's YA or this sort of new thing that's this in-between. And, I mean, I read it, and, and you know, I mean, Travis is 19, but, I mean... He's, well, and Travis he, is still a teenager. He's still such a, yeah, like, he's dealing with, like, st- I mean, he's dealing with some big things, but he's also dealing with so many of the things yeah. that, you know, with family and relationships and friendships and all of that is very rooted in that experience. Like, right. it's not just exactly. He happened, it's not just because he happened to, like, turn a calendar year. He's suddenly, like, a grown-up. Yeah. And that's sort or of what like, makes that, for me, that made that story so interesting. Well... I think just because he goes off and does this very grown-up thing and has this very grown-up job, um, he comes home to the same issues that he was dealing with before he left when he was still a teenager. And and for me, that's what makes it, you know, kind of still a little bit of coming of age. He's still trying to figure out who he is and what his place is in the world. And, um, you know, when we talk about people... um, you know, talking about how teenagers are so this or so that in their reviews. Um, I got an email from someone who said that Travis and his friends were stupid. 
<laughs> I was kind of like, well, of course they yeah. are. They're like 19-year-old <laughs> boys. Like a group They're of like 19-year-old boys. Hello. I mean, no that's kind of the point. Boys out there, <laughs> I've had a 19-year-old boy. He was yeah. really, really stupid. He's 22 yeah. now. He's still kind of stupid. Like, so, you guys know the woo people in college? <laughs> the guy to get really drunk oh, yes. and party, and they run around yelling "woo" all over yes. campus all night long. Like those are nineteen-year-old boys, just exactly. like Travis, except they're in college. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, they really. Oh, <laughs> those guys. <laughs> yeah. I I lived in a nerd dorm in college. Oh. And it was the international dorm, so it was, like, all full of, like, people who wanted to live with, like, people from other countries, so it was the nerd dorm. And in their wiseness, campus housing, my sophomore year, put um, <laughs> all of the freshmen from the wrestling team oh, no. in our dorm. <laughs> and it was like the aliens had landed. Oh, God. <laughs> because we're, like, the nerds. And then there's these guys. The like, woo people. guys. Yeah. yeah. And people would just, like, they were, like, these freaks. <laughs> because they were, like, normal, like, 18 boys. and 19-year-old boys. <laughs> and they kind of smelled funny. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it was just, like, yeah. what are these things running around in our dorm? Yeah. Why are they making oh. these strange noises? <laughs> like, like what's something like normal i think it's interesting that people are trying to say that it's not ya because he has an experience out of high school i mean to like other that experience as not ya is not valid to me yeah um, oh, well. because people have all different experiences growing up like i mean i know that the norm is you go to high school and you go to college and that's presented in most as YA like the normal. normal thing but like there's some people who drop out at like 15 and they get jobs or whatever you know or exactly they, they find a way in a different way and that doesn't mean that just because you're 15 and you have a job that doesn't make you an adult Exactly. That's interesting because exactly. I've read, you know, um, Cinnamon Rain, which is an Australian book, and it was published in the U.S. as Out of This Place by Emma Cameron. Mm -hmm. It's a really mm -hmm. brilliant novel in verse. Um, but that book is about 15 and 16-year-olds who leave school early. And I've seen people say that it's not, like, it's new adult. I've seen it, like, people say, I don't get why this is YA. And it's... Yeah, I think because it's because it bucks the, like, the sort like of trying to box what this. you're supposed to be doing at X age. Right. Kind of. Right. That's, that's a really, I think your point, Laura, about um, sort of the way if you don't follow the expected trajectory, like that sort of othering is a really astute point. Because that's, you see, like, I now I'm like, oh, I can think of a lot of books where that have had that same kind of criticism. Yeah. And it's always because they're not following the norm the normal right trajectory. and i think that for adults that's something that i don't really want to go into the, like the book banning issue really or anything like that but just <laughs> that's kind of a separate thing but like at the same time like i think adults and parents who read these experiences that are different it like scares them to think yes. that their child would not follow the normal path like how many parents are like why can't you just be normal like, why are you so different? You know, but that's why you need this fiction for teenagers. Because you have, exactly. you're surrounded by all these people who are just like, 
you're so weird. Why are you so weird? Or you just, you feel like you don't fit in, even if you're popular when you're a teenager. Not that I know what being popular feels like, but that's what I've been told by people who were popular. Anyways. <laughs> you know, but, I you know, suspect you feel my alienated husband was popular when he like, was a Like, everybody feels alienated. What? I suspect my husband was popular when he was a teenager. My husband was popular. He won't admit it, but I, I have my suspicions. My husband was definitely popular, but he tries not to rub it in because he knows I had a bad middle school experience. <laughs> Anyway, I know they're popular. Sorry for that little tangent, Trish. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but, so, I mean, I just think it's important for, like, every experience to not seem like it's othered for young adults. Like, they right. need these books that they can relate to no matter what their experience is, no matter what, if they go to high school, if like, you know, they have a genius IQ and they're in college at, like, 15. That's still right. a young adult. Exactly. Well, and exactly. It's, you know, I I was in high school during the heyday of the Sweet Valley High books. <laughs> and I I mean... Yeah. I liked those when I was, like, 11, which is probably kind of inappropriate, but... Oh, I read them when I was that age, too. Oh, okay. But, you know, but, like, that was the sort of, of book for teens that was, you know, popular pretty girls... You know, there was, like, a very specific... It was also, you know, when Beverly Hills 90210 was on. And so, like, there was a very specific experience that was represented. And, like, I... I mean, I rare... I and mean, there wasn't... Why it wasn't as big a thing as it is now. But, I mean, I remember trying to read some of those books. And not just... I mean, there were sort of knockoff Sweet Valley High books. Uh-huh. And just not get... Like, literally not getting it. Like, not understanding at all what was what was portrayed in those books and I I think now kids are pretty I shouldn't call teens kids that sounds really rude I call but I call college students kids so do I yeah I, I call everybody too. kids I, I do I it's call, like oh you're in your 20s you're a child I call anyone younger than me kid or kiddo it's like I don't know I think it's my mom's fault <laughs> it is your mom's fault she calls me kiddo she does call you kiddo all the time which is fine <laughs> I, I assume it's endearing because i think your mom likes me and she does <laughs> anyway um actually i told my mom we were talking to you this morning trish and she was like oh, say hello for me and i was Don't like say hello to her for me because <laughs> <laughs> she loved something like normal <laughs> But, um, because she, she is, she had many Travises as students. So she saw Travis gotcha. a lot. Yes. Gotcha. So she knew exactly, like, who Travis was. So, anyway, um, sorry, we got a little off, I'm shocked, we got a little off on a tangent there. <laughs> oh my god, I'm amazed. <laughs> so. Well, when we were talking about, you know, the things that scare the parents, I think that what, what, some adults want from young adult fiction is, is hope. You know, they, they seem to always want a hopeful ending. Like I've seen so many people that are saying this was just utterly hopeless. And it's like, well, you know, somebody, people don't always get hope. You know, I mean, we, we want that. And I think a lot, and I think most young adult fiction offers that, but I don't think that when you step outside of that, that it's necessarily a bad thing. Right. I agree. Like, I don't really have a problem with ambiguous endings the way that some people do. Oh, I mean, I think I actually think they're like extremely appropriate, particularly in YA. For YA, yeah, yeah. Because um, like Sarah Dessen's latest book, The Moon and More, you've read that, right, Trish? 
right, this is Sarah breaking in just uh, in sort of the post-production phase of the podcast. And in the next minute or so, we do talk about the ending to The Moon and More. Um, so if you want to remain completely unspoiled for that book, you'll probably want to skip ahead to about 33-minute mark on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have. That's had a lot of, like, that has not been well-received online. Oh, my God. She deviated from her um, normal romance. From her formula, yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but, oh, my God, this girl, oh, my God, she dated somebody who wasn't right for her. And she broke up with him, and she ended up with no one. How dare she choose her own and, path? Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of, the end of the book, sorry you know? to ruin the moon and more for you guys, but there's been a lot of people upset that there wasn't, like, resolution to Emmeline's love life in yeah. that book. And... Yeah. But, I like, think... I mean, everybody dates somebody who's not right for them. Right. At some exactly. point, right? Like, I think, and... that, I think that's a really relatable thing to... Go and we don't that. always end up. We don't always end up with the guy that we're de- that we you know date in the book. Right. You know? Yeah. Always work that way. I've had people say you know they want they want to know what happens to Travis and Harper, and I'm like I don't know what happens to them because you know maybe she goes to college and meets somebody better. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They're like 19. You know. Exactly. <laughs> 19 years old. They're you know it's it's a little naive to think that that they're going to be together forever. Would it be cool? Yeah, I would like that too. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> I mean, what you know at the end of something like normal is that at least they give it a shot. Yeah. And exactly. I think that's like a reasonable, like that's a reasonable conclusion to a story when people are 19 years old. And I think that's why, you know, I, I, I actually quite liked the story in The Moon and More. The way I, that, it's my favorite that story arc yeah. worked. And, um, because I thought it was very, I, very realistic, particularly to that time, like when you know you're leaving home and all of mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I mean, my favorite Sarah Dustin is still the truth about forever. Yeah, but, you know, I really like that one. But I really, <laughs> the Moon and More, I felt I really related to that book so, a lot. It's interesting though, because I, it's also you know the same. You know, adults also get upset on the other hand when. You know, there's, you know, with white romance and the the sort of, like, almost implied happy ever after. Like, yeah. teen relationships can't last. So they yeah, really, well, teenagers <laughs> can't win in these scenarios. No, there really isn't. There's right. no win. It's like, it's unrealistic if it seems like they're together. And it's, like, disappointing if it seems like maybe, like, it's, you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> How can you win that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, uh, so that's why you have to just keep writing for teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, really. You know, I... you know, it's funny. Um, Miranda Keneally mm-hmm. and I talk about this all the time because she is a review reader, and I, so many times I'm like, "Stop doing that to yourself." Oh God! So, but, she, so Miranda hates me, right? <laughs> I don't think she hates you. No. <laughs> But I don't know. <laughs> but we're both AU alums. We went to the same college. Now, then she loves you. Okay. Because <laughs> there are very many of us. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read her books. 
Well, the, the thing is, though, is that she frequently gets adults who say, you know, they hate the teenagers. They hate the way the teenagers are, are behaving. They're hate, they hate everything. They don't under, you know, why does this girl who plays football not have any girlfriends? I can't find it. I find it impossible to believe that she wouldn't be friends with any girls. And I'm like, oh, oh. actually, that was one of the things I really liked in that book. And exactly. But, I, will, but I will say, like, honestly, like that. That book didn't work for me, but that part of that book, I really appreciate it because I think that's an experience that is not represented in YA very much. Yeah, exactly. And but 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 she's like teenagers go crazy for her books. Oh, I totally. I mean, I totally get why they love her books. Yes, and um, and the main character in her second in um, Stealing Parker. Stealing Parker. She was a completely believable teenager. Like I. I mean, I knew so many Parkers growing mm-hmm. up. I mean, that's... Exactly. She's and a, a girl in the third book who is very, you know, religious and judgmental, she gets she gets <sighs> slammed all the time for being religious and judgmental. But how, but there no, are so many people like that. There so, were so many mean reviews of that book. I know. <laughs> but there are a lot, like, when you're a teenager and it's what you've grown up with all your life and it's something like solid that you hang on to really tightly when you're really confused about everything else around it's like you. i know you this know? one's it's really thing easy is to go that like way i went to catholic school so i saw it you know oh yeah <laughs> yeah because like you see that in small town centers too um the main by melissa walker which is a book mm-hmm. that i found very uncomfortable but i recommend really highly it's kind of a weird one of those weird thing I think because it really reminded me of the town I grew up in and I just it's like that's a hard thing to revisit because like the main character in that book is very naive very sheltered very judgmental like all of those sort of qualities and like particular like there have been some really even though I think she did a wonderful job with presenting that community with like no judgment you know, yeah. it's just like this is the reality of like kids who grew up in a you know very conservative right. fundamentalist community. This is you know these are the things they're de- they're dealing with. That book is that main character's been really you know criticized for being naive and for um, not not being more open minded and not understanding that there are people who make choices that you know I mean just for being. A teenager As, who you know, has not been 15, exposed to the world. A girl who's only really been exposed <laughs> to this very intense religious community. Um, and I think that's actually too bad because I think there's a lot that I, I think adults could get a lot of understanding yeah. out of that particular book. But like most teenagers, even if it's not like from a religious standpoint, most teenagers I think kind of tend to grow up in a sort of bubble. A lot of teenagers, I shouldn't say most. Um... And they haven't been exposed to, you know, other cultures and whatnot so much. They don't have a reason to know about other things or to be open-minded a lot of times because they've been raised in these bubbles. Exactly. Uh, so to to expect them to have that understanding at the age of 13 or something when they've never been exposed to anything else is absurd. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a tr- I have, especially that last book of Miranda's, I, which I haven't read, but um, I, the reviews of that, there have been some really, on Goodreads, some pretty, like, ooh, I, where I actually thought, oh, I hope the author doesn't read that, but now yeah. I know that they do. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you can always be like, well, why don't they go on Google? There's news, there's CNN, there's cable, there's Google. I'm just like, what? 
you see teenagers like they're on Facebook with their friends. This is what they do on the internet. <laughs> they're not Googling the headlines of the Syrian rebellion. They are not interested. And they, you know, unless it's for school, they're not going to do it. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> not, have either one of you read Burning by Elena Arnold? I haven't yet. I haven't, but I want to. That's a really interesting book. Um, it, it's, I mean, and I, I don't say that to mean that in like a critical way. It's, it made me think a lot about the girl in that character in that character in that book does some some things that I was not particularly happy with. Um, but at the same time, they are completely believable for her context. Uh huh. And it's and the ending of that book is I would say some people have labeled it ambiguous or open. It's not necessarily, it's mildly hopeful, I would say. Uh-huh. And, um, but as that, it's interesting to look at what people have said about that book because folks haven't been super happy with some of the decisions, particularly the female character, because it's one of those dual point of view, first mm-hmm. person point of view, so it's like all the rage right now. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> sorry. That's not, I, I actually sometimes really like that style, um, sometimes really hate it. But I think it worked in that particular story. Um, it's I don't see. This is a hard book to not ruin by talking about it. I had a really hard time writing about it. But um, she people have really judged her harshly. I will say in that book, and just the way she, I feel like she kind of uses the boy in that book a bit, and that's like not acceptable in our you know sort of cultural pre- perception of what teen girls should be doing. But I mean, not like it's okay to use people, but it's like those are things that people do that. Like, and that's just, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think most people have done it at least once in their life. Portray like an idealized, <laughs> right? Like you can't achieve these idealized visions that without folks, making mistakes. As a teenager. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's just, I mean, I, I yeah. I just I don't necessarily know if like idealized visions of like teenagerness is necessarily the best thing for like we're just gonna make everyone feel like freaks yeah <laughs> but like i've been reading i've been having a read along with renee of the respiring thoughts book blog um hi renee and we've been reading the gracie Faltrain trilogy by kath crowley it's an australian one and gracie is infuriating and it oh, just yeah. has me, like, cringing with all the awkward and the infuriating. But I'm just like, you know why I cringe? Because I remember that. Because it was like that right? for me back then. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not cringing because I'm like, oh, my God, Gracie, what are you? How, how dare you? What are you thinking? I'm cringing because I'm just like, oh, my God, that's oh, exactly what it was like back then. The things she does <laughs> in those – I've only read the first two. Um, yeah, I haven't even are, read the second one yet. But. Are – so it's like a Jessica Darling level of discomfort. Yes, to read. Oh. that's exactly what I was. You know thinking. what I mean? Like you know how Jessica she makes does. Me crazy too. I know, and you're just and it's it makes me Jessica makes me so uncomfortable because it's like, like it's oh, so real. I see myself, and you're like, oh my god, I I don't know that I really wanted to be reminded about. That. I know I like, had like pushed that out of my brain. You know what I mean? I just, <laughs> And she's a, I, Jessica is one of those characters that I talk about a lot. Me too. And, 
I always, I have this whole theory that I've mentioned a bunch, like the Jessica Darling versus the Ruby Oliver dichotomy. You know, the Ruby Oliver books by E. Lockhart, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. I love, I love yeah, those. I love wonderful. those. But like Ruby is sort of the person that I thought I was when I was that age. <laughs> But Jessica is the person I actually was. Yeah. <laughs> and I think most now. people were more like Jessica. Like, I mean, Ruby is kind of infuriating, but she's, but she's charming. Like she's witty. She's endearing. <laughs> Jessica is not any of those things. No, she's not. She's awful. <laughs> she is. She really is awful. But, but, but that's what makes her so spectacular. Yeah, is she's, she's awful. Real. And I think that's why so she real. resonates with people, too. Because yeah. Because it's like, there is nothing that she does like, sometimes you're just like, oh, Jessica, what are you thinking? It's like, she's not. Yeah, because <laughs> she's a young adult, and they don't. <laughs> but on the flip side, I think this is why I, I'm i not a fan of Marcus Flutie until the very end. Because, because he's so stupid <laughs> through the entire book, through the entire series, too. And I'm like, how can you swoon over a boy who's so stupid? I get really mad because with their relationship, especially in the third book oh yeah god the way people like criticize her and make her the asshole when he was like uncommunicative had he gotten rid of his dreadlocks yet i dreadlocks are a big issue dreadlocks in that book. yeah but like the way i mean there were a lot of things that he did that i would be like a girl should never tolerate that and you tell these girls in real life that they should never tolerate that and jessica does not and yet she ends up being the asshole to people and that pisses me off yeah she gets called a cheater she gets i mean like the the way that people talk about her in that but in that book in particular is really interesting like like she gets called an asshole all the time, and it's like I know. Marcus is so. And I'm just awful. like Marcus he, is an asshole too. He he's is a bigger he, asshole. He messes with her. He messes with her through the For entire years. series. He's manipulative and, and uncommunicative. And he, he's not yes. a good boyfriend at that point. He just isn't. You know. He's no. Like, and yeah, I don't find him very like swoony. Really, no. it, it not until the end, really. Yeah, because he I, needed I, to grow up. Yeah, I'm like pounding the table. Yes, the whole but point this, of that book is that they both need to grow up. But this is the whole point of our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we're stripping it apart when they're actually doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Just, that growing up is a process. It's not just like you wake up one morning and you decide I'm going to start making good. Yeah, no. It's like you learn how to make good decisions from the bad decisions. Right. Which are embarrassing and cringeworthy and maybe you want to push them away. But the fact is, is that they have helped you learn how to make good decisions. One of the, another one that I, um, sort of theme that I'm often, um, it's interesting to me how adults read it is sort of the, the YA travel narrative, which I actually love. Because mm-hmm. I think as I, mm-hmm. I did, I, I traveled by myself when I was relative, when I was like 19 and, um, which I think is still kind of a young adult. Yeah. And, um, For sure. the, and like Anna and the French kiss is the first one that popped into my head. But I think in general, um, the, the sort of trope where teen travels is kind of miserable you know, just that, one day. Just one wanderlove. day. Wander love. Anna and the French kiss. Yeah. I mean, some others that right. aren't coming right into my head. But, um, you know, that 
often as adults, the criticism that's levied on those sort of teen travel narratives is, you know, like, but you're getting to do this amazing thing. You should be happy with life. And, you know, with like Anna, because I actually, I love Anna and the French Kiss. Like I, I do too. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And yeah. that's actually one of the few books that I don't read books twice very often. Um, though I have read your book twice, Trish. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's one I, but Anna is one I've read twice as well. Um, cause I kind of wanted to get my head around why that particular story worked for me. Um, but like, but I think adults like to bang their fist and be like, I totally would have loved to have that opportunity when I was 18. How dare you not appreciate that? Yeah. Right. And, um, but you know, I, it's interesting because in those, the stuff that sort of is challenging at that time in your life doesn't go away just because you have the opportunity to be somewhere else. Yeah. And sometimes that's even amplified, like, yeah, um, in Anna. Like, it kind of amplifies how lonely you are because you're placed in this unfamiliar place. Right. And, like, with Anna and, you know, the, the whole subplot of her family and, right. like, her family being pretty much a mess and, you know, the father being kind of a, you know, annoying figure. Uh, it, it's interesting that people, I think that book is generally loved, but, um, the adults who've had problems with that particular book, which is totally fine. Like, if you don't like that book, that's totally fine. I'm not um, It's generally rested on that. But she got to live in Paris for a year. Yeah. And despite right. that, that, in reality, the thing that threw her into that scenario and enabled really cool things to happen to her was really having, like, her personal agency taken away right. by her father saying, you need to go live in Paris and go to this school because it makes me look good. Yeah. And um, that's... You know, and the same with uh, Just One Day. Right. Um, the Allison in that book, you know, is generally, you know, she's not making her own decisions right. in a lot of ways. And it's interesting that over and over again that that is um, criticized by yeah. adults. Like, I went to summer camp a lot when I was younger and growing up and things like that. And I'm I, jealous. I, I never got to go to camp. Oh, God. I'm sorry. It always seemed cool. I loved it. And <laughs> but I went to a music camp for a couple of years. I went to debate camp. <laughs> well, that's cool. But there weren't, like, tents or campfires or anything, like, sing Oh, yeah, we had that. Well, we had cabins. No, ours like, was, like, super competitive. Yeah. Well, our music camp wasn't terribly competitive, but, like, I think... Some of the kids were sent there, and they didn't really want to be there. Like, their parents said, like, this would be a really good experience for you. This will be, um, you know, you'll get to learn. You'll make friends. Trust me, you'll love Mm -hmm. it. And a lot of these kids, they show up, and they're so homesick, and they've never been away from home before. And they've never been in this environment where they have to live with, like, ten other people in a cabin. And... I mean, I think sometimes it is easy to be like, look at this opportunity you have. You should totally be happy. But these people are, like, so out of their element. And, like, I mean, there was this one girl I knew who would, she would just cry every day for a couple of days because she was so homesick. And it was so hard for her to, like, adjust to this new situation. Um, and I think it's, like, people forget how hard it is to learn how to adjust to a new situation. Right. Which and you is know what? something that you need to learn how to do as you grow up. 
And I think a really great quote actually comes from Wanderlove. Yeah. But mm. she's like, my problems might be superficial on a global scale, but they're real to me. And that's the thing is these teen problems, they might seem small to adults who are reading them, but they're big to the teenagers who are reading them. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, I love that book. Oh, me too. I do too. <laughs> I, just, I love that's that That's one of book. my favorites. It's one of my favorites. We read that for our book club. Yeah. And it I think most of us really Everyone loved it. Everyone loved it. Everyone I think did. that okay. was one that people really thought hit on. Um, I mean, the quote you just um, mentioned, mm-hmm. it hit on really why why is important. Right. You know, and there's so much packed into that sort of little story mm-hmm. that really, I think, resonated with, I mean, we have a, you know, we have a pretty, like, our book club is, like, kind of a smarty pants book club. Yeah. Despite I our think we're a pretty for, diverse group. We're a pretty diverse group because we have, you know, an author. We have, um, you know, a former bookseller. No, a couple former booksellers. Right. Former boarders trainer. I mean, like, pretty, you know, Laura and I. Yeah, just a wide range of ages. And yeah. I'm, I, I'm moving there. I want to be a yeah, part of the book club. book club. Please. <laughs> Please do. We would love to have you. I don't have anybody here to be in a book club with me. Oh, <laughs> I have to say, our book club is pretty awesome. I know. I feel really. We we get really giddy the day of book club, and we're all on Twitter. Yeah, like, like, Woo, book I know. Club. And as everyone like comes to the table because we always meet in like a restaurant or something, like people sort of cheer. It's really <laughs> <laughs> like we're like, "Woo, you're here! You're here! Oh, it's your mom!" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's but it's interesting because we do have that sort of. It's like kind of this high nerd quotient, but lots of really different experiences in terms of with books. Mm -hmm. So like oftentimes like there'll be like a general consensus and there'll be someone who's like, I hated this. And who's often my mom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why it's me. Yeah, and sometimes it'll be, you know, and then there'll be someone who's like, this is my favorite book ever, which is also <laughs> often my mom. And then there'll be like, a, you know, maybe an ambivalent who's like, you know, I liked it, but, you know, and then it's it's always interesting. And that particular book, I think, is probably the only one where everyone was just like, like swooning. this book worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, our book club is pretty awesome. I think so. <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> We, we should try to Skype Trishan. <laughs> we should totally try to Skype Maybe next you. month we can do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Help me in. What, um, are, what are you reading? Um, the oh, The Secret, Secret ingredient, ingredient by Stuart Lewis. Oh. Have, I haven't read it yet. So. My mom read it and loved it. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if that will mean that I, I like don't know. It, it could be. It's a crapshoot. Um. Because she didn't like, she didn't finish. You look different in real life, and I'm still mad at her about that. So, oh, because um, I really liked that book. A I lot. did like that book a lot. Um. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. Back to the topic at like, hand. We always talk about book club on the podcast. I know, and Friday Night Live. We should do a podcast with book club. Yes, we should. You should. That would be really fun <laughs> if we could manage to arrange everybody together to do it. We could totally do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, everyone have to be like incognito. So, um, anyway, <laughs> Laura, did you have, you had a good point on, we have a little handy dandy outline mm-hmm. to keep us on topic, which is fairly amusing. Yeah. Um, we've been way off topic. Yeah. Laura, was, was the bad boy point your point? Yeah. Okay. 
So I thought this was actually, this is also another thing. So take it away. Oh, well, I was uh, thinking about how boys and girls, and I don't really want to get into this too much per se. It's but kind I of a whole like, topic in and of itself. Yeah, but I feel like teenagers, I mean, adults are flawed too, but teenagers are, I think, have a lot of complex things going on, and so they're not perfect. And I feel like the tortured, flawed, bad boy is very romanticized in our culture, where people don't mind so much when the boy character is flawed and they're tortured. They're like, oh, you poor boy, what happened in your life to make you this way? We need to help you, like, move through this and become a more successful person. Uh, and I feel like when a girl is flawed, she's just unlikable and she's a bitch and there's yes. no hope for her. <laughs> yes. um, and, but the flip side of that is that when the boy is a nice character, people are like, ew, he's, he's so boring. He's so angsty. What's with the angst in this teen novel? I don't get it. You know what I mean? Which is ridiculous because right. that's all teenagers do <laughs> in real life. So, And you had a couple of really good examples. Too, yeah, like, that... so I was thinking Sam from uh, the Wolves of Mercy Fall series by Maggie Steve Vodder is a really good example where people are like, oh my god, he's so boring. And I'm like, I think he's nice. I mean, there are nice boys out there, and I think, you know, it doesn't make them less complicated people. We're both people married to nice boys. I'm married to a nice boy, too. Me, yeah. too. Uh, like, so there's him, and then Colby from the Disenchantments. People don't seem to like him. They don't. They really give Colby a hard time. I felt bad for Co- Colby. I know. <laughs> I like love Colby. He's so jerked around, and I love him. I know. He's, like, doing all this shit at the behest of these people, and he's... this girl, like, screws him over. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. I, I. But just at the same time, she was a really great valid character, too. She was yeah, a great exactly. character. So, yeah. And, you know, actually, that the, the relationship, like, Colby and I can't remember the girl in that book. Oh, uh, I can't remember her I name. Should be that dynamic yeah, is very, Beverly. I do not think is in any way, shape, or form unusual. No. No. That's, no not, you're right. Especially in that age group where the girls can be a little bit more, I don't know, like, not powerful. That's not the word. They are a little bit more mature and sometimes seem to know more what's going on. Right. Than the, and I don't know when I'm being very inarticulate about this, but I think that dynamic is not an unusual dynamic. No, at it's all. Yeah, not I at agree. All. And um which is actually why I liked the book I mentioned earlier, Burning, has a similar dynamic like that. And I think that's why I thought that story was so interesting because you don't see that all that often in fiction. And it's not one that I think is rare in real life. Yeah. So But I think it's important to show girls as complex human beings, too. Because girls go through bad shit, too. Assholes, too. Yeah, but it makes... Exactly. (laughs) When when you're a teenager, especially, it can cause you to put walls up or act out in ways that are not good for you. um, And possibly other people, you know? And I think it's important to have books about girls like that, you know? I think... I think a great example would probably be um, um, 
Courtney Summers, yes, the first one. Yes, the, uh, Cracked um, Up To Be. Cracked Up To Be. I mean, yeah. I, I just was looking at reviews where they're like, they hate her, they hate her, they hate her. And the boy I who is trying to, <laughs> trying to like her, they call him, you know, that he's being stupid and that he's being pathetic. He's and pathetic, I'm like, I've seen, yeah. you know, and I, and I feel bad because he's a nice guy and he's trying so very hard with her and she's a hard character to like too. But I don't think that makes her let any less authentic. And yeah. she's not any less worthy or deserving of having a narrative and yeah, exactly care about her and having her story told just because yeah. she's a challenging person. Yeah. And, I, I mean, why do boys get to be challenging and not girls? This is a different kind of issue. It's just yeah. a broad <laughs> but issue. It's, but it's one that, yeah, I um, I recently listened to the audio book of Jersey Angel by Beth Ann Bauman. I haven't read that. And I can't get it out of my head. And I sort of had this debate for a while wondering if it was actually a YA novel or if it was kind of like one of those adult novels that someone was like, I can't sell this as an adult novel, but I can sell it as a teen novel. And I finally settled on that it is a YA novel, um, but it's just, it's so kind of different from what I'm used to seeing, and I think that's why I, I don't know the history of it, like what, how it started. I tried to do some Googling, but was unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. But the girl in that book, and she's the narrator. She was a hard, she's a hard character to like. She's a hard, like, I didn't like her. I didn't either. I thought she was awful. Like, the things she does are horrible. I mean, just really, she makes, she's like bad decision theater, you know, she treats, <laughs> she treats people really badly, but at the same time, I really, like her story, her story is one that, you know, deserves to be told. Um, I mean, didn't we all treat other people badly at one this point? This is pretty extreme, but yeah. still. Like, I think yeah. I treated my parents badly, my siblings, other people at school. At some point, I think everybody does it, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the right young person picks up that book and reads it and maybe sees a piece of themselves in that story. I think that's a really meaningful thing. Right. You know, it's, I mean, I know that sounds cheesy, but yeah, but it's like I said in that, um, that thing that you, uh, storified. I was ranting on Twitter a few weeks ago. (laughs) I love that rant. (laughs) But like, I think people, some adults read YA fiction and they have this, notion that the character should be like somebody that's their friend that they want to hug and i'm like no that they're not there to be your best friend that's just not what the point of these characters are to be why would you want to be best friends with a teenager anyways that's kind of like, <laughs> anyways but you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, i spend a lot of time with a teenager and there are a lot of times i want to be away from her <laughs> Like, not that, I mean, there are exceptions and there are teenagers that I think that I like that I can have great conversations with, things like that. But, like, for the most part, I would say that, like, a 15-year-old is not somebody that I would spend most of my time with. No. Or that I would want to. Or that I would expect them to be that kind of person that I could spend a lot of time with. I don't know if that made any no, sense. No, I know at all. what you're no, saying. It's kind of awkward it's sounding. Totally <laughs> um, I totally, totally lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's me. But, but no, oh. but I think that I think that what stems from that is that adults, when they read these teenagers, they're expecting them to behave in a way that would 
that they would be, you know, like someone their their own age. And it's like, no, they're 15. They're acting like 15 year olds. So they, they really can't be your friend. They, they right. can't be someone, you know, even if you feel maternal toward them, you can't because they're not, you know, you know, I've had people say, I just want to hug Callie. And I'm like, you can't, she's gotta be, she's gotta just go through her stuff. Yeah. But I think that's the reason, like, at holiday parties, why the kids have a different table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't well, go yeah. talk yeah. at the adult table until, like, because you're not interested in what they say, and they're not really interested in what you're saying. Like, until, like, I don't really feel like I could fit in at the adult table until I was, like, done with college. You know, I don't maybe fit a little in at the adult table still. You know what I mean? Like, I know. <laughs> Guys, I don't either, and I'm much, much older than both of you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're that much older than both no. of us. I think Laura and I have a reputation online for being younger than yeah, we are. Yeah, I'm not, let's not go into why that might be. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I feel like adults would be better off understanding <laughs> that teens are at a different table. <laughs> no, that's a good that's really a good that's profound, Laura. <laughs> you know me with the metaphors. That's really I love good. it. I, know. <laughs> I, I kind of blew my mind. <laughs> you know, it's. Um, I know, obviously, Trish. I know you've read this. Um, uh, just, just like fate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because yes. yeah. And I think it's so interesting, the early reactions to, because that story has a sliding door sort of thing, like you oh, stay and go. You I read this did book I tell yet? you about that? Parallel it's dimensions. And um, I think it's interesting the reaction people have had to the go story. Oh. Because the hook is the, there's this girl and she, um, her grandmother is dying. And in one na- half of the narrative, she stays at with at her grandma's side at the hospital, mm-hmm. and while her grandma dies, that's not a spoiler. It happens in, like the first chapter, right? Right. And then in the other narrative, she goes to a party with her friends, and grandma still dies. Oh. And sort of that one choice sends her on um, sort of two different trajectories and uh-huh. two different you know series of other decisions. And I, I mean, it's you know the sliding doors sort of style narrative, like it. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It works really well in that book. Like, it's really... And I like that the narratives don't really converge. Mm-hmm. Like, they're right. very independent. Um, there's characters that are similar, but they're very independent. But the Go story, like, it's really interesting. Like, people are like, what kind of person would, like, go to a party instead of being with their gra- their dying grandma? Somebody who's scared and can't Someone stand to be around. Someone who's freaked out and 16. <laughs> Which is a lot of people, adults included. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but it's so interesting. Like, it's so interesting because I, I, I thought that was a very interesting book. And um, I, um, but that, that has been so fascinating to watch people like, what kind of person does this? Like, they can't buy into the go narrative yeah. because it, it's. Yeah. But that reminds and, me of Callie that, from Where the Stars Still Shine, which is not out yet. But she's kind of a runner physically. Where she physically runs when things are overwhelming yeah. for her. Um, and I think that a lot, most people don't physically run, but a lot of people want to, or they run mentally and emotionally and they kind of close in on themselves and they become uncommunicative. And I think that's extremely normal, especially at that age. Yeah. 
And I, I did, I did see a Ruru when somebody said she was so mean. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> but again, she's a 17 year old girl and that's how she's responding to the world around her. Yeah. That's changing so drastically. She's, she's mean. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I wouldn't have labeled her as mean. No, I, I don't I find either, that but... interesting because I wouldn't have either. But I, but I can also see how someone might interpret it that way, but that's, that's an interesting, huh. I'm always yeah. interested in how people, I don't know, process the actions. But that's just like, I, I actually, just like fate is a really interesting use of that sliding door. It, and that it really of, is. And I really enjoyed the Go character more. Actually. I did too. I, really I, do. I, lo- she was much I more interested the ghost, in the, like, the Go story. Like, mm-hmm. I really, that's, that part of the story uh, really was uh, sort of captured me. Yep. So maybe you can tell me, is did one author write one of the sides and the other write the other? Or yes. Was it, okay. Oh. And, I, and, and I know who too, but I won't spoil that part. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. Like I have my guesses. Wait, who wrote that book? Suzanne Young and Cat Patrick. Oh, okay. I have my guesses. Um, you know, some of the ones that I've also thought have been interesting in terms of the, um, you know, sort of taking things from, like, kind of, we've talked a lot about sort of the realistic and the heavier stuff, but some of the books that adults often find quibbles with are things like, also known as, where the teenage girl's a spy, and um, uh, I'm currently reading Unraveling by Elizabeth Norris, which is sort of a, like, super light sci-fi um, mm-hmm. story, which, as I, my understanding is, teens love that book, and... Um, I, but then I looked and I saw like a lot of my, my Goodreads pals have not liked it because they have a hard time believing in the, the teen saving the world type narrative. I do right. have issues and with that if I it's do, not done well. I mean, when it's not done well, I, I do too. But I also, like, I think there's a, there's, there's a necessary, that's something that needs to exist. Yeah. Because, like, I think aspirational yeah, books like, definitely. Yeah, the yeah. aspirational thing. There's some. There's some merit to. I feel like I'm contradicting myself. I'm just like teen books don't need to be aspirational, but now I'm like, oh, but, but it's I good that they're, they're available. Well, you know? I, 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 mean, <laughs> I think that the, it is. I mean, I'm contra- contradicting myself too. But I, I, um, but one of the things that I think is really interesting is with those books like Unraveling and like um, also known as, which is a really light book. Um, there's something you said, you know, the teens trying to save the world and also dealing with, like, all the, like, stupid crap of being a teenager, you know? Yeah, like, and the upcoming All Our Yesterdays is like <gasps> that. That's so good. By Kristen Terrell. Uh, that book is amazing. <laughs> I have heard that. Trish, I'm going to have to read it that is, one. read it. So good. It's stunning. It's it's okay. one of the best it's one of the best books I've read this yeah, year. Yeah, but and it's, she oh. and it's not and it's and that's it is I'm a not time being... travel book, but it's not it's so much more than it's that. and it's so different from your usual yes. time travel book. Yes. And it has the like teen saving the world sort of scenario. I mean it has all those markers of like sort of the like uh same old, same old. Yeah. But it's not and it's really about choices and family. Family and love and how you you know, sometimes those things don't, they, 
the decisions you have to make contradict like your love for your family or your friends or right. It, it, there's a right. lot of like sort of big stuff that's yeah. dealt with in that book in a really. I was really blown away with how she pulled that off. I really was. I haven't read many books, YA or adult, that pull those sort of big kind of high concept questions mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. in such a a creative scenario yeah is really impressive but i think that book falls into what you were saying yeah that kind of um because this this pair of kids is having to effectively save the world because of time travel see it sounds ridiculous this is why i haven't written a review of it yet at all Um, (laughs) and they're actually a little older because they're they're 20 in the future versions of them and then the same people are 16 yeah in the because it goes back it doesn't really okay. Go. It's but I would still say their twenty-year-old selves yeah. are dealing with YA things. Yeah, it's and um, you know that there's a you know amidst all this, there's a there's a romance. It's pretty. I mean, it's it's interesting because it doesn't get a lot of page time, but it's pretty intense. Like, mm-hmm. and there's multiple love interests, but not in the same time. It's really hard to talk about. Yeah, um, and I don't want to spoil. Yeah, because I'm totally going to read that. Those things that they they're dealing with are are very intense. Yeah. And that's why it really hits that, like, really wonderful YA-ness. Yeah. The intensity of all of these emotions right. that these, these young people are dealing with is done so well. And, like, right. the, the fact that, like, decisions that need to be made will likely contradict yeah. all of that intensity is, it's, it's pretty, yeah. it's a smart But that's, like, one of the reasons book. as an adult I like to read YA is because there is a lot of intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I put that in that post I wrote a long time ago yeah, on it. Yeah, you did. So, um, but the intensity of it, because I, I feel like when I, and I'm sure there are adult books that do do this, but I haven't really found a whole lot of them, but that really just take you on this emotional journey. Um, I feel like YA when it's done well, really excels at that. And that's why I really like it. I feel like Liza Palmer's books do that. Yes. I am like, I'm like an official Liza fan girl. (laughs) Yes, you are. I am. (laughs) I'm like a crazy Liza, but her books do that for me where it's that like sort of intense emotional journey. And she's one of the few adult, like contemporary adult fiction that does that for me with that, Mm -hmm. like really wonderful emotional arc. Um, and that's where it, that's one of the reasons I started reading so much YA is because I I liked that enter, mm-hmm. that isn't the as much hasn't been the trend in adult fiction as much but, in um, a while, which is unfortunate. I hope that's changing. <laughs> I would like it. <laughs> that's like my as we talk about aspiration. That's my aspiration is that that some of that wonderful voice <laughs> and like <laughs> sort of meaningful emotional intensity will, yeah. will emerge in adult fiction in a bigger way cuz right yeah <laughs> you know? <So>. yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i know <laughs> but i mean i feel like YA still deals with a lot of issues that are important and relative relevant to my life as an adult yeah. um, and i think some people maybe see that as beneath them. I think Trish, you mentioned this. Yeah. In your thing, where, like, YA fiction is kind of lesser than, um, but it's dealing with so much about how you make decisions and how you worry about how that will impact your life in the future, and those are still things that I worry about, even though I guess I'm kind of old, you know? 
And so well, I really relate to that when I read YA, you know? <laughs> well, and I think when you look at stuff like, you know, Teenagers Saving the World or you know, Dreaded Love Triangle, which mostly <laughs> seems to be adults rolling their eyes at that, um, is that it... it who, who really don't have as much power as, as, you know, they don't have power. And so when they're saving milk or they're choosing between love interests, it puts the reader in a position of having that power, even if it's just reading about it. And, uh, and I think that those are teen things and they're, and they're, and they're valid, you know? So yeah. yes, I roll my eyes at love triangles too, but I think that teenagers still like them. They still like the idea of teenagers saving the world. So, yeah. you know, there, those, that, those tropes are appealing to teens for a reason. But yep, exactly. Exactly. I actually have come a long way on the love triangle issue. I'm pretty ambivalent on it these days. I used to be I a hater. It depends on how it's portrayed. I've read a number of really well done ones, you know. Yeah. And so I've, I'm kind of like, you know, if it's well done, if it makes sense, because... Like, I feel like in Amy Spaulding's Three Smiles from Lists, there's a bit of a love triangle there. And mm-hmm. it did not bother me. I think she did an excellent job kind of showing why it existed. You know, there are yeah. valid reasons for a love triangle at times. So Yeah, no, it's... Right. I mean, not that I've experienced that personally. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I but have. I can see you why have? <laughs> Actually, I have. When I was in college, I dated two guys at the same time. Oh, my goodness. Damn it. Only on the Queer Ooh. High School Shelves podcast can we get this kind of dirt. About your I, I know. And I, and I ended up with neither one of them. <laughs> I, I just, neither one of them worked for me. That's probably how love triangles often shake out right. in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was so fun. It happens. It really does happen. It, it was fun, you know, but it was, but it was exhausting. Yeah, that sounds stressful. It was like telling one that you're going to stay home with your family because you're going out on a date with the other. <laughs> oh, that sounds really stressful. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd be able to handle that. No, that's no. a lot of schedule. Like it, it was hard. It was difficult. <laughs> I was glad when it was over. <laughs> so anyway, we should probably be wrapping up. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we go, Trish, you want to tell us a little bit about where the stars still shine, which Laura and I both love. Yes. We adored it. Both of us. Yeah. What do, okay. What am I talking about? Tell I'm us sorry. about get this. Tell, tell us about the awesomeness of where the stars still shine. Yeah. Which is coming well, out I feel September. like you should talk about yourself. I, I do. think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. <laughs> it is the story of Callie, who um, whose mother uh, abducted her when she was five years old, her her birth mother, and she's been living on the run with her for twelve years. And when her mother gets arrested, she has to go back to live with her father um, in a little town called Tarpon Springs, which isn't a real place in Florida. It's very Greek, and there's a very very obvious the very vision what's the word i'm looking for a very <laughs> um i'm not bailing you out on this <laughs> no i know I, I'm, I'm struggling for the word for the word but anyway it's a it's a very active greek community greek american community mm-hmm. and so she has to kind of learn what it's what it means to be in a family and what what love 
looks like when it's not the love that her mother um, shows her and you know what it what it means to be part of a community so that's kind of what it's about <laughs> but it comes out September 24th which is very exciting I I love something like normal but where the stars still shine is kind of at this point the book of my heart and I'm really really thrilled for people to be able to read it and your work you have Arcadia Falls is coming Arcadia out. Falls is the tentative title we're gonna have to change it because we found out there's another book coming out um oh. next year <laughs> With the same title, so it will be changing, but it's, it's, it's more of a psychological, I, 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 I hate to call it a psychological thriller, um, but it does kind of have a, a, a kind of a psychological drama aspect to it. That in which exciting. The main character is a girl who's got a lot on her plate. She is a teenager who's been living as an adult with her, you know, raising a little brother and dealing with so much when she's offered this chance to kind of run away with a couple of really cute boys, she grabs the chance and it kind of just all goes wrong. (laughs) So it's, yeah, I don't want to give too much away about that, but (laughs) that one, (laughs) that one comes out in 2015. So we're, I know, I know it feels so far away. (laughs) And then once I get that one turned in, I'm working on an adult novel. So, <laughs> that's a departure for me as well. So this will be interesting. We really appreciate you coming and chatting with us, and hopefully you can do it again because you're just one of our favorite people on the internet. Yeah, I love <laughs> like so much. Thank you so much. Likewise, and anytime, I would love to talk about. It. I love to talk about teen fiction all the time. So, <laughs> well, so we. So, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Trish. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Until next time, Clear Eyes Full Shelves can't lose.